Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So five more sleep in our house. We've got um, four very excited children. That includes me, by the way. So uh, we're looking forward to Christmas. Who's, who's, who's set for Christmas? Who's ready? Who's there? Been to the shops? Bought your food. Pat has. Anyone else? No? So who's going to have a busy week this week? Yeah, okay. Great. Well, today we're looking at our part um, four, our final part of our series called Unwrapped. And the last three weeks we've been looking at the, the gifts given by the wise men, the, the Magi. Okay? They were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you're saying to myself, part four, Dave, there are only three gifts given. Um, at that time. So I've got gift number four here. And I'm going to tell you what's in this gift. I'm going to unwrap it in a few moments' time. What was the fourth gift? What was it? Okay, we're going to come there in a second. But um, yeah, we're just uh, really excited about this, this series to, today. We've been looking at, you know, in the busyness of life, it's just so easy just to get caught up with everything, isn't it? Have you ever tried to put on the perfect Christmas? Have you ever had a perfect Christmas? Rob has. Anyone else here? Have you ever, ha- ever had a, quote, perfect, quote, Christmas? Oh, if you have, okay. Wonderful. I need to be in your house on Christmas Day then. But we get caught up into the whole thing about having a perfect Christmas. Let me tell you a little story about a Christmas that we had once. It was um, Christmas 2010. 2010, we were going for the perfect Christmas. Cast your minds back to what you were doing in, in December 2010. In our household, Daniel was three. Sophia was 13 months, just over one, one year old. Okay, and Isabella was but a dream. <laughs> and uh, this Christmas, we're excited because we're going down to my parents who live in Dorset. Um, for a Christmas there. So we were going to be spoiled. Um, my mum is a fantastic cook. So we're looking forward to that. I remember it fondly because I remember for our perfect Christmas in December 2010, it actually snowed and snowed quite heavily. Do you remember it? So Bing Crosby, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. It was a reality. I can't remember any other white Christmas. But I remember this Christmas, 2010. I remember driving in the car with them, um, driving home for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, playing loudly. Sort of like snowscapes around the car. The kids were like bouncing up and down. Well, Daniel was, age three. So was Leanne. And I was driving. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, it's wonderful. Everything was geared up. We bought our Christmas presents. Everything was wrapped. This was probably about the day before Christmas Eve. We're looking forward to the perfect Christmas. And uh, so, like, like every Christmas, my mum's house was packed full of Christmas food. But in, our, in my mum's house growing up, and even on that day in 2010, packed full of c- food, the, 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 the cupboards were full. But as always, I couldn't touch anything before the big day. So I'd go and say, reach the cupboard for a packet of peanuts or Bombay mix. No, 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 that's, that's for Christmas. I don't know if you're like that at all, you know, everything's bought for the big day. And then when the big day comes, it's like a feast. It's like, oh, I've eaten too much. If only let me eat those peanuts the day before. So everything was geared up for the the perfect Christmas. I was saying, Daniel, Daniel, Christmas Day, we're going to build the perfect snowman. 
six foot high with, um, I don't know, with copper eyes and a carrot for a nose and a scarf. We're going to build every, it's going to be a perfect Christmas. And uh, Christmas Day came and um, Leanne was busy with my mum preparing some of the vegetables for the food. Now, just to give you a bit of a, a help here, my parents live in a converted barn. It's got a, um, a thatched roof, it's, it's really nice. And uh, so in the lounge, um, there's a nice lounge and it's got three little stairs that then lead down into the next room, which is the dining room and then the kitchen. And I was given the important task on this perfect Christmas of December uh, 2010 of looking, over, looking after Sophia. Sophia was, was one, she was crawling, and all I had to do was that the perfect task of looking after the perfect Sophia. I just thought, well, do you not, what, what can make our perfect Christmas even more perfect? We need some Christmas music. So out came the laptop. I remember this vividly to this day, I was sitting on my mum's couch looking for some Christmas music to play during our Christmas meal, our perfect Christmas meal. So there I was. And just as I found the perfect playlist, I thought this is going to be really good, I heard screaming. I thought, that doesn't sound like Leanne. That definitely, definitely isn't my dad. And it's not my mum. And it's not me. And it's not Daniel. It was Sophia. And as I was spent, wrapped up trying to find my perfect Christmas playlist for our Christmas day, Sophia had found her way to these three little steps and fallen down the steps. When I saw her, my heart literally sank. I felt really, really bad. But even though when I saw her, her face was covered with blood. I think at that time she had about one tooth. And literally she just cut, the way she down, she cut open her lip. And it was, yeah, blood was just pouring out. So I heard the scream, my heart sank. Leanne runs in from the kitchen, hears the scream, you know, poor little 13-month-year-old, and she still has a little bit of scar to this day. And the first thing Leanne goes is, Dave, all you had to do was look after... Yeah, my name was Mud. Has your name ever been Mud? On perfect Christmas Day? Rob's name's been Mud. Constantly, Pete says. My name is Mud. So, but you know, things just kick in. You, you just know, right, I've got to get her to the hospital. So this is about... I don't know what time it was, about 10 o'clock in the morning. So literally, Leanne and I would just get in the car, um, leave the perfect Christmas home with the perfect Christmas dinner um, being cooked. We go to drive to, my parents lived near Weymouth. We drove to Dorchester where the A&E was. Uh, well, the doctor's surgery was. They couldn't help her. They said drive to Paul. So Paul was another half an hour journey. We drove on the, 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 the cold wintry lanes to Paul General Hospital. And... By this time, it's about half 11 to 12 o'clock. Um, she stopped cry crying so much, but bless her, her face was covered in blood. And one thing leads to another. I mean, I have every respect for the medical profession. I mean, that day, I've never been to hospital on a Christmas day. And I think about those people that do work Christmas day and the, and the holiday days. And they were amazing, absolutely amazing. They uh, had the smiles on their faces for all the patients and everything. And, and it's just tremendous. We were there for a long time. Eventually, our time came to be seen, and they said, basically, what we're going to need to do is going to need to sew her lip back up, and um, we need to put under a general anaesthetic. Um, so Leanne just couldn't, couldn't face that. I mean, by this time, my name stopped being mud. It was more sort of, yeah, my ears were still burning a bit, you know. So I, I then had to have, have little Sophia in my, in my arms as they 
just to calm her down as they then gave her the anaesthetic with a mask and then she drifted off into the perfect sleep. I mean, my heart sort of melted when I saw her drifting off. I thought, oh, goodness me. Um, they did amazingly well. They sewed her lip back up and they had to stay in hospital a bit longer, a few more hours just for the, the um, anaesthetic to wear off. And we got back home uh, to my parents' house. Um, it was about 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night. And we rang home to my parents, not home, but to my parents' house, uh, just saying we're driving back now. And when we got back to my parents' house, on the table, she'd already warmed it up again, was our cr- perfect Christmas dinner. <laughs> Which we did, we thought we were going to soldier on. Now half 11 at night, we're going to eat this Christmas dinner. So we ate it and felt sick. <laughs> it had been a not-so-perfect Christmas day. Have you ever had a not-so-perfect Christmas day? Yeah? Maybe not like that, maybe worse, maybe different. And at Christmas time, we get all the pressure of making Christmas perfect, don't we? We get all the pressure from whether it's the, um, the adverts on the TV about buy this gift, and you see all the people with their the model faces, their sparkling clothes, their perfectly white teeth, you know, buy this, and the, and the supermarkets are competing for our attention and our money. Maybe as a mum, you think, I'm going to put on the perfect dinner. And there's a pressure there to put on the perfect dinner for Christmas. Maybe as a, a, a dad or a friend, you want to put, buy the perfect gift for your, either your children or your friends or your, your parents or your, your, you know, your, your relation, relations, whatever it is. There's this constant pressure for the perfect Christmas. Maybe you get, and I've been guilty, of, well, it's, it's a good thing, but I've written one in my life. Maybe you get a, a Christmas card, and in that Christmas card is a newsletter for some friends. And interestingly, they always write, they put a, a, nice, a nice positive spin on what they're writing. That they write about the, the, the great things, the place they've been to, the great events that have happened, but they never mention that some of the, perhaps the low times of the year. And you're left feeling perhaps a little bit inadequate, great for them, but I perhaps have had a, a rubbish year. And this, this dream of the perfect Christmas may leave us feeling a little bit inadequate, pressurized and you think gosh what's it all about what's it all about well turn with me if you can to your bible we're going to read from luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 19 and i'm reading from the the nlt version and uh, just talking about the birth of jesus if we're uh, a Christian here today, or if we haven't yet got a faith in Jesus, um, perhaps we know that Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus. But let's look at this account this morning and just see actually, was it really the perfect birth? Was it really the perfect time? And it says at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. So at this time, they wanted to find out how many people were there in the land. How many people are there? And because Joseph, Joseph was, was, was engaged to Mary, betrothed to be married, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, a great, great figurehead in the Bible who led to the... Um, 
the, the Jewish nation at the time into, into very many different uh, battles and victories, and was a great king. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. So he had to go on a journey. Have you ever been on a journey for Christmas? This first Christmas time, Mary and Joseph are going on a journey to Bethlehem. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who is now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. Now, the the Bible doesn't go into much details. I'm thankful about that. But I am a parent. I've been present at all three uh, deliveries of my children. And um, it's not as clean as it says in the Bible there. The time came she gave birth to a, a child, a son. She wrapped him in snug, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The perfect Christmas? You see, they had to go on a journey. Not just a journey, but a journey when Mary was due to give birth. She's heavily pregnant. And when you're heavily pregnant, you don't want to go, you just want to try and be as comfortable as possible. You don't want to go on a long journey. We're not, we're not talking about aeroplanes and coaches at this time. We're going on a long journey. And when they get to the town of Bethlehem, it says there, there was no lodging. Imagine you turning up to somewhere. You haven't booked somewhere in advance. You've turned up somewhere. There's bound to be a place. There's bound to be a room. Perhaps you're, you're going to visit some friends. You're bound to be somewhere I can stay. And everywhere is full. Not just is everywhere full, but for Mary, she's heavily pregnant and everywhere is full. She's about to give birth any time, and there is no lodging available. And it's, the Bible says that she, she um, gave birth to a son. She, uh, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, in a feeding trough. Jesus, after being given birth, Jesus, this, the Bible foretold a, a, a hero, a Messiah was going to come and was going to help the Jewish nation, the King of Kings, was born and was placed in a feeding trough. Not a perfect cradle, not a nice nursery that's been newly decorated with fresh paint, but a feeding trough. Doesn't sound perfect to me. And then we cut to verse 8. Because suddenly, in verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. The shepherds at the time, if you like, if there's a pecking order of of occupations, they're at the lowest. They were hard-working men, but at the lowest of the pecking order. And these shepherds are just doing their job. They're looking after their sheep, and it's night time. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. (laughs) How would you have felt if suddenly you're about your business, whatever you do, day by day, it's at night time, and suddenly you see a visitation of an angel? Not just someone, not just a, a bloke, but suddenly a real brilliance surrounding this person. A white light. These were tough men. And they were terrified. How would you have felt? 
But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the, this hero person that's going to rescue the people. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Wow. What would I be thinking as a shepherd? I'd be probably thinking, well, why are you telling me this? I can't understand it. Why are you telling me this? And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. See, God knew what he was doing. God knew that the Messiah that was foretold in the Old Testament this was going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, you couldn't orchestrate that. Mary is suddenly pregnant. They've not slept together, the Bible says. And suddenly, they're living in Nazareth. Now they've got to find their way to Bethlehem. You couldn't orchestrate that in your wildest dreams. They've got to go to Bethlehem to register for the census. Amazing. And this will be a sign. When you find the baby, the baby's going to be lying <laughs> in a feeding trough. Isn't that amazing? How do you feel as a, sh as a shepherd? You probably think, A, I've seen an angel. What does that mean? B, what? I'm going to see this amazing baby, but it's going to be lying in a feeding trough. It doesn't make any sense. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I don't know. You might be scared, you might be fearful, you might be... But you want to see it. It sounds like good news. Let's find out. Let's check it out. And let's see. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. There was a sign that was being promised of the baby Jesus lying in a feeding trough. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Do you ever have any good news? You have good news? Do you keep it to yourself? They told everyone. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. I'd be astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The first Christmas, the time when Jesus was born into the earth. But in my books, not the perfect surroundings. If I could do it, God, I would orchestrate it much differently. I'd perhaps choose a palace. I'd choose uh, nice, comfortable conditions. I'd choose there to be lots of people that can help Mary out. This is the king of kings coming. Let's make it perfect. But God had other plans. An imperfect time for the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ. And in this time of Christmas, when we're thinking about Christmas and maybe feeling the pressure of putting on a perfect Christmas for those that we love, or we all get caught up into it, I want to leave us with this simple thought for today. And the simple thought is, is this. God seems more present in mess than success. 
God seems more present in mess than success. God could have orchestrated that differently, but he chose an imperfect, messy situation that Jesus was going to be born into. Messy on the physical level, messy because there was animals around, he was in a feeding trough, there was no, you know, there probably was a midwife around somewhere to help out, but there's no mention of this person in the Bible. Messy because you'd expect royalty to be there. Yeah, the wise men came, but probably when Jesus was about two years old. But Jesus sends who? Shepherds at this time. Amazing. It's not perfect. It's messy. And Jesus, when he grew up, he, he, he dealt a lot with mess. And I'm so thankful that God understands mess. Sometimes we feel, maybe you feel, that you've got to be perfect. But God can deal with our imperfections. God can deal with the messiness of our lives. I don't know what sort of year you've had. I don't know what sort of week you've had. I don't know what sort of weekend you've had. It might have been okay. It might have been great. It might be highs and lows. We just like the seasons of life. Maybe you're feeling a bit messy. Do you know what? God can cope with our mess. So I'm just opening up this gift to see what's inside. And do you say the, the best gifts often come in little, little packages? See, the, the final gift, it's not gold which represents, I guess, the, the kingship of Jesus. It's not about myrrh, which is the anointing oil used for Jesus' uh, embalming of his death. And it's not frankincense, which signifies the worship of Jesus using ceremonies. But the fourth gift, not given by the wise men, but very evident to us all, is, is Jesus. Jesus is God, the Father's gift, to every single one of us. Every single one of God. I just thank God that he sent his son Jesus. That I may know, and you may know, and if you're willing, may want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's just a few thoughts I want, I want us to think about. I think Jesus can deal with our mess. Let's take off the pressures of Christmas. Do you know, you, maybe you're feeling a pressure as a mum, a dad, a friend. Do you know what, even as, as church leaders, we feel pressure in terms of putting on the perfect Christmas events. Now, a lot of hard work has gone into tonight and various things and the food hampers and all that stuff. And we, I believe in working hard, but we can also put a, a pressure on ourselves to want to perform, to compete, to compare. But God wants us to be real. God wants us just to be, you know, it's not about all that stuff. It's about him. It's about him. So, Three simple things. Remember that God seems more present in our mess than in our success. So when you're going through a messy time, you know that God can be there for you and with you. to Not to make it wave a magic wand and make it all all right, but to be with you there through the storms and the trials and the challenges of life. Through the arguments, through the, the sufferings, helping you to endure, helping you to be better, helping you to behave differently. 
I look back at this year. I look at my, my own life. I look at some of the decisions that I've taken on a personal level. And I look at myself. I look at myself in the mirror. I think, Dave, you're still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. I always will be. Sometimes when I feel that I've risen in one area, another area which I thought I dealt with comes crush, crashing down. Humanity. Mess. But God is faithful. God is just. So what are three things that we can do? This Christmas, you can prioritise reality over perfection. Don't strive for the perfect Christmas. But understand where you're at at life at this time in your life. And be real. We can be real with ourselves. Just be real. It takes the pressure off. Be real in my family, in my relationships. This is how they are at the moment. That well-known saying, it is what it is. It's reality. God can change it. God can help you to change. But be real. Accept where you're at right now. It takes the pressure off. Don't stay there. God wants to change things. But be real. Prioritize reality over perfection. Secondly, prioritize time over gifts. Do you know what? Um, when we were doing youth work several years ago, we used to work with, with quite a few underprivileged uh, young people. And we asked them, uh, yeah, what do you get for Christmas? And, you know, they'd drink, re- you know, to say things like Nike, the best trainers a laptop, a brand new mobile phone. I'm not just talking about one of these things. It'd be like, oh, get all of them. And sometimes it feels like parents and people are under pressure to buy, buy, buy for people's children, buy things to make people happy. But reality, certainly in our home, our children, all they really, really want is my time, Leanne's time. And this Christmas time, make time the relationships in your life. Yes, buy the gifts, but that's not the be all and end all. You can't buy people, but we can give people the best gift, which is the gift of our time. And finally, this Christmas prioritise Jesus over all the trimmings. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you call yourself a Christian, then make space for Jesus in all the busyness and it is busy busy it's easy to put Jesus in a box Jesus I'll put you in a box and that box is called Sunday and uh, you know perhaps on a Sunday I'll take you out of my box but Jesus Jesus doesn't need to be boxed. Jesus can't be put in a box. Jesus was put in a manger over 2,000 years ago. But Jesus is the King of Kings. And you can't box up Jesus because he is the Son of the living God. And he changes lives. He brings hope with his hopelessness. And he deals with mess. But we can put him in a box and say, well, that's for Sunday. Get rid of the box. How can you do that? 
prioritize some time with Jesus. Don't beat yourself. Don't think, oh, I'll spend an hour today. You may not have an hour, but you might have five minutes. We've all got five minutes. It might be you're driving and you're praying and you think, God, help me today. Maybe he's going to get into the, the Bible. and Maybe you can get, get a, a, an Advent reading just to the next, next few days, five days. There's Advent readings which last five days. To prepare your heart and your mind for Christmas and what it really is all about. No matter what mess is going on in your life. Don't put Jesus in the box. But prioritise Jesus over all the trimmings and all the trappings. I love Christmas. I love it all. I love all the gifts and all the, the Christmas music and all that stuff. But if I put that stuff above Jesus, what's it all about? People say that Christmas is a, was a pagan festival that was taken over by the, the church and we celebrate Jesus. True. But let's celebrate Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus. Let's put him on his rightful place, which is above everything, above all the tri trimmings, all the trappings. God seems more present in mess than success. To be real, make time for people and make time for Jesus. Be real with your own mess. Whatever 2015 has brought you, God knows. And God can deal with it. And God can deal with your future. Your hopes, your dreams, your, your smashed things, your broken relationships, maybe broken promises, whatever it is. Where you've let yourself down, let other people down. God can deal with that. But let him. Let him deal with your mess this Christmas. You might be saying to me, Dave, well, Dave, I, I feel okay. I'm not in a, in a mess. That's fine. But remember, season, life is seasonal. There are highs and there will be lows. It's just the nature of life. But make room for Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray. So we just wrapped up the final part of this, this message on, on unwrapped, unwrapping the, the real gifts of Christmas. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. But most of all, Jesus, the gift from God the Father to us, humanity, the world. Just take a moment right now. Just a pause. Before we go forward and just reflect. Maybe those, those three application points. Maybe you need to think, well, maybe I've been putting on a pretense and all I need to do is be real. I am where I am in life. God loves me too much to leave me the way I am, but I need to be real myself and with others. Number two, maybe you think need to think, well, I need to prioritize some time with certain people. And number three, and perhaps most importantly of all, if you're a Christian here today, maybe you need to think, well, I need to make some space and room for Jesus this Christmas time. And maybe if you're, you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian yet, maybe this Christmas could be the first time where you make space for Jesus. You might even say a simple prayer or chat with God, as we call it, talking with God. God, if you're there, help me to know you more. I'm just going to invite you now. If, you, if you're feeling, I'm not going to call anyone forward. I'm not going to. This is just a personal invitation right now for you and me to respond to Jesus. 
And if anything that I've said this morning is resonating in your heart and you're thinking, you know, life has been a bit messy. <laughs> it may not be a mess, but it has been a bit messy. It has been a bit chaotic. And this Christmas, do you know what? Jesus, I want to make some space for you. And I encourage you right now just to, where you're sitting, just to raise your hand. You know what, Jesus, when we're going to receive a gift from someone, we, we put our hand out to receive it. We just as a token to Jesus, just to put your hand out, say, God, I want to receive something from you this Christmas. I want to make space for you this, this Christmas. And if that's your response, and I encourage you right now, where you're sitting, just to put your hand out. And in your heart, the quietness of your heart, maybe ask Jesus, tell him what you're thinking about. Tell him that I want to make space for you this Christmas. Just where you're sitting. My hand's out. Father, I just thank you for today. This fourth Advent Sunday, which celebrates about your coming 2,000 years ago, but also your coming again into the world that we get a chance to remember you. And I pray for my friends here in this room, that, Lord, you would cause all of us to make room for you, not to have the pressure of the perfect Christmas, but, if you like, the pressure of building our relationship with you, and that you are the perfect gift, spotless, blameless, sinless. You never did anything wrong. You died for us to give us a future and a hope. But you rose back to life again. I thank you that that is the real message of Christmas. Bless my friends here, Lord. Give them a great time, whatever they're doing, wherever they're going. And draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life.com dash cc dot org